Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 1. Today's message is entitled, A Mother's Prayer. A Mother's Prayer. And many of you mothers know what it is to pray. Some of the most powerful prayers I have ever heard have come from mothers. I'm talking about earth-shaking prayers from mothers. And we're going to see one of those today. I want to invite you again, 1 Samuel chapter 1. But of course, we don't want to begin without talking to our Father. So I invite you at this time to bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Oh, loving Father, we thank you so much for the gift of the mothers that you have blessed us with. Our fathers as well. And right now, Lord, we ask that you would just direct our attention. We're going to look at a story of a very special woman in the history of salvation. That if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't even for her prayer, we couldn't look back and say, thank you, Jesus, for your grace. That's how important she is to the story. So God, please, right now, direct our attention not to Pastor CJ, not even the the woman that we're about to, to read about, But Heavenly Father, I pray that we will clearly see you through your son Jesus today. Holy Spirit, touch some heart. And may we all be brought to the cross. In Jesus' name, let everyone say, Amen, Amen. She married young. And all she wanted was to have a little girl. That's all she wanted. She would envision in her mind what it would be like to have this little girl. She would envision the little girl being just like her, dressing just like her. It became just this all-encompassing fantasy in her mind. She was well-known in her local church community, and she was also known abroad, especially because of her singing. She had a beautiful voice like Kala, like we heard this morning. And so she was known everywhere because people knew this woman loved the Lord. She had a gift and she was using it. And so she was in the public eye. But that also brought a challenge because year after year after she got married, people began to wonder. Kevin, they began to wonder. They began to say, hey, where's the baby? You know, I've gotten to the place today where I don't even ask that question. I don't even ask that question. My wife and I waited. Now, we intentionally waited nine years before we had a child. Now, if you, if you understood the backstory to that, you'd understand why. Okay? But there is this kind of, whether it's perceived or reality, this stigma, this pressure you should have a child. What? After a year, two years, three years? This woman waited four years, no children. And she felt the stares and the stigma socially as people looked at her. And she, she began to wonder, Lord, am I going to be barren? She began to, 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 to her, her faith was beginning to be tested. 
Until finally, February 14, 1977, she had a little girl. She had a little girl. But tragically, three months after having that little girl, she was premature and she passed away. And she had some questions for God. The question that we all ask when we go through unexplainable difficulty, God, why? It was bad enough that I spent four years waiting and feeling the public scrutiny, but at the same time, I now have a girl that I always wanted, and now she's gone. My mother experienced this pain, and it's a pain that many can relate with. Whether you've experienced loss of a mother, a father, a child, you understand the feeling and the pain and the hurt of loss. Her circumstances looked unfavorable, but her story reminds me of the woman that we're going to consider today. As a matter of fact, this woman is the woman that my mother is named after. This woman's name is Hannah, and she marries a man in Ephraim, in the hill country of Ephraim. He is a Levite. For all intents and purposes, by marrying him, she was elevated to this, and I say elevated because of the public way that she was viewed. She was now in the spotlight as, for all intents and purposes, a pastor's wife. And so she also felt the public scrutiny. You have no idea how pastor's wives feel, or even elder's wives, or wives of of, uh, or, or, or spouses of people that are in the public eye, the, the perceived or the, real, or, or, or the reality of what they sense is this public scrutiny in the spotlight. And year after year, they were both faithful followers of Yahweh. They would go down to Shiloh year after year after year. People knew them as a wonderful couple. Everything seemed wonderful. And then year after year, they go down to Shiloh. This was before David had des the desire to build a temple. This was the time of the judges. And so Shiloh was the place where the tent of meeting, where the sanctuary was, or the house of the Lord. In your Bible, as you consider it in 1 Samuel, it may say temple somewhere, but that's only because that was the language they, they were using because of how it was situated. The actual temple that came later with Solomon would come later. And the temple was the place, or the sanctuary was the place where God's name, in other words, his character of love, was to be revealed. Particularly, as you saw his grace in the sacrificial system that was to point to the cross of Jesus Christ. And so they went there year after year, faithful, faithfully going to worship the Lord. But year after year as they went, they began to feel the stigma because year after year, Hannah had no children. She was barren. Now we can't appreciate, we can't appreciate what it was like in our culture today to experience being in the Eastern culture of the day of high shame and, ult and, and high shame and honor culture, where shame was, was, was a serious deal in the community if you brought shame to yourself or to your family, and her not being able to produce offspring, not being able to produce a child, especially a male child, for a Levite was a shame. She in her day would have been considered worthless as a woman. You cannot produce an heir. You cannot produce someone to continue the family name. You don't have someone that can, that can, that can provide you care as you get older. 
You don't have someone that's going to be able to, to provide you a proper burial when you die. You don't have someone to continue the family name and your memory on into the future. What are you doing? You're a pastor's wife. You're supposed to be in a position of favor with God. But your circumstance looks like you're cursed of God. This is what would have been going on on loop in the mind of Hannah. Now understand that her husband loved her. Amen? Oh, he adored his wife, and she married a good man. But succumbing to the, the, the desperation of the situation and wanting to, to provide a, a name and all those things that would carry the family into the future, he went and, and, and practiced one of the practices of the Canaanites of the day and contracted a second wife. Now I want you to feel what's happening in the text. You're meaning year after year hearing baby number one, baby number two crying, baby number three. She gets sons and daughters, the Bible says. Her name, the other wife, is Panina. And Hannah has to suffer in silence as baby after baby is being born. God, the favor is falling on her. What about me? I have been faithful. What's going on? Can anybody relate to that in the house of the Lord, whether you are a mother or not? The showers of blessing are falling over here. And I've been returning a faithful tithe. I've been serving in Pathfinders. I've been doing all that you've asked, Lord. I love you, Lord. But there is no blessing coming over here that I can see. My situation feels unfavorable. What do you do? When you want to experience the grace of God, but everything in your life looks unfavorable, what do you do? I believe we find the answer. I believe we'll find the, the solution here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 6. Now, it's, see the temptation? I want to come down to you. You see that? So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to stay up here. 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Are you there? Amen, amen. And her rival, this is Panina, the other woman, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. Oh, and Ilkanah, oh, have mercy. Bless his heart. Verse 8, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Never say that, husbands, by the way. Don't do it. I want you to catch what's going on. This is the time of the judges. This story, by the way, is the hinge pin. It is the game changer that takes you from the era of the judges into the era of the kings. As a matter of fact, Samuel, first and second Samuel, used to be considered kings. It used to be considered first and second kings, and first and second kings in our Bible historically used to be considered third and fourth kings. Because this story is the, is the, is, is the game changer. It brings you into the era of the kingdom of Israel or of God. So in this time of the judges, you've got to understand that the judge at that time was the high priest, Eli. Now don't miss this family. The judge was also, uh, he was a political leader, but then because he was high priest, he was also the spiritual or religious leader. 
And now he's pretty up in age, so he's got two sons that are actually functioning as his administrators for his, for his, for his, uh, his rule, if you will. Though he was not a king, he was looked at that way. But the Bible lets us know that his two sons are corrupt. I wish I had time to describe the level of corruption that was going on with these two sons. Yet, you'll see that the character, you see the character of Ilkanah and his, and his wife Hannah, because they go faithfully down to worship in Shiloh, regardless of the bad spiritual and political leadership of their day. They go and they still support the institution that God has erected to reveal His love and grace to the world. They are faithful to Yahweh in spite of their situation that looks unfavorable. And it happens on one of these occasions that Ilkana, with all the good intentions in his heart, decides, I'm going to show my wife just how much I love her. And I know some husbands could probably relate with this. He, he says, look, this is the time where you would, as a Levite, offer your sacrifice, and there was a particular sacrifice for the Levites that the family could participate in. It was almost like celebrating a Thanksgiving dinner. And with this particular sacrifice, where they received some portions, he gave Panina, his second wife, he gave her her portion and her children. Hannah's sitting over here by herself, no children surrounding her. He says, I'm going to give her a double portion. Amen. Where are the fathers right now? Don't we want to give him a thumbs up right there? Yeah, but see, but though he was good intention, what that produced was this jealousy and this rivalry. Panina said, well, ho, ho, wait a minute, why is she getting a double portion? I've got the kids. Hello, am I chopped liver? I've got one piece of steak, veggie loaf, and she's got four, right? <laughs> see this? <laughs> All right, and so she now is feeling jealous and envious now. And so she begins to provoke Hannah, and Hannah can't take it anymore. It's been years of this type of, of drama in the household. And if you've noticed in the text, she does not complain once. She does not even utter a word of, of complaint. She suffers in silence, being faithful to the Lord and her husband. But now it is now, the tears are, are welling up in her eyes. It is it's like a dam that is getting ready to overflow. And at this point, she can't take it. And so she goes to the one place she would feel safe to pour out her concerns to the Lord. She goes to the house of the Lord where she can experience the presence of God where the love of God and His grace is being constantly, the story of the Gospels repeated daily through the sacrifices. And it's there that we discover that if you want to experience, if you want to experience the favor of God, when your situation looks unfavorable, then you've got to let your pain push you to prayer. Our pain can push us to other things, like drinking and addiction and hurt. We want to now, with bitterness, hurt the person that hurt us. Oh, but I want to challenge you today. Let your pain push you to prayer. 
Let it push you to prayer. You see, when our pain pushes us to other things, we think that those other things are actually going to deal with the pain, but they actually perpetuate it. There's only one real solution to your pain. It is the love of God revealed in Christ and all that he provides for you that comes in his train. Let your pain push you to prayer. My mother, she's been here before. And my mother, when she lost Carla, she really had some serious questions for God. Now, she could have allowed her pain to push her away from God. And for some people, that's what happens. Right? You don't mind if I have a little bit of water. Is that all right? For some people, tragedy and pain in their life pushes them away from God. You see, I'm done with God. He didn't work. Right? I don't understand. My mother decided that though she had some serious questions for God, she was going to stay in conversation. Oh. She was going to take it to him. His chest is big enough, and I'm going to give him some, some questions. But as she stayed in conversation, this is why we need to stay in conversation with God. As she stayed in conversation, more and more she began to search her own heart. And it began to uncover some motivations that she had. And she began to realize that all that she envisioned as good intention, as desiring a child and all of that, she had no idea what it really required for her to be a mother. And this is what she's telling me. I just found this out this week. She had no idea what it really required to be a mother. All the ideas and all the things that she had in her mind about what it meant to be a mother. She said, I was not ready for that. I would have not been ready to do justice to this calling of being a mother. It's a high calling to be a mother. One of the highest callings on the planet, if not the, the greatest. World leaders and changers have been molded by mothers. And so my mother said that she just, in her prayer, she didn't understand it all. She said, but I've, but, but I've spent enough time with you, God. I know your character. I can't trace your hand, but I can see your heart. And so I'm going to surrender this whole thing to you. Two years later, she gets a very handsome young man. <laughs> handsome little boy. And she names him Samuel, which is my middle name. DJ tells me I'm handsome, so I'm just... I'm quoting. I'm just quoting what she says. That's what she says. My mom let her pain push her to prayer. I want to challenge you today. Let your pain push you to prayer. You see, when you are experiencing this level of pain, oftentimes it's because you don't feel anybody understands you. I'm all alone. Nobody gets it. Look, in the story, nobody gets Hannah. I was blown away as I was looking at this. Nobody gets Hannah. Panina obviously doesn't get Hannah. She's not only does she not understand her pain, she's causing a lot of it. She does not understand her or, or can sympathize or gets Hannah's pain. She doesn't understand the, of every time she had a child, she had to endure that. Her husband, God bless him, doesn't understand Hannah. We look at him and he's, oh, what a, what, a, what a guy. He's trying so hard. He's in a desperate situation. He's got all this pressure. He's trying to give her a double portion. Right? I mean, aren't I better to you than ten sons? I mean, really? Because when you die, that's it. 
You see, in that society, if you didn't have a husband or a son, you were destitute, and women often that were destitute and had nobody to take them in, didn't have a man to represent them, their voices couldn't even be heard in court as a witness based on the culture of the time. You were destitute, and many women, this is why we've got to be careful when we judge, when we see prostitutes in the Bible. Because, or even today, because many times they were pushed into that. They chose that out of desperation. I have nobody else to support me. It's either I do something or I die. So it's a desperate situation. It's a shame. She is a wife of a Levite. Nobody seems to get her. And then Eli, right? The high priest, as we're about to find out, he doesn't get her. All he can find to do is judge her because of what he sees on the surface. But Oh, I can hear the Lord. He says, look, when your friends, your family, when nobody seems to understand your pain, mothers, when no one seems to under, uh, uh, understand your pain, God says, I get it. I understand. No one else wants to listen. I'll listen. Hey, pull up a seat. Hey, come sit on my couch. I will take it. I, will, I want to hear all of it. Talk to me. Because I'm in position right now to release my favor on you. But I want you to come. Let your pain push you to me. You see, prayer is a conversation with the one who loves you the most. You see, as she's going through that pain, she's there at the sanctuary. I don't know if a lamb was being offered, but that's a picture of the cross. It's the grace of God constantly being offered. Come to me, Jesus says. <laughs> Bring your pain to me, right? Don't go to the bottle. Don't go to that website. Don't go to that woman. Don't go to this or that. Bring it to me. I will satisfy you. I will take care of whatever it is you need. But would you please come to me? Talk. To, I know you're mad. You're probably mad at me too. But bring it to me. Bring your pain to me. I'll take it. My chest is big enough. Let your pain push you to prayer. Oh, she's pouring out her heart. She's in deep anguish. She's letting it all out. Finally, she's able in this safe place to release all that was in her heart, all that was in her mind, all those years. She's bringing it out, but she's bringing it out to the Lord. And the Bible says, if you're with me, in verse 11, the Bible says this, Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli <laughs> watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. Oh, have mercy. I mean, can she just have a moment with God without somebody judging her? And here she is as she's pouring out her heart to the Lord. She can't even get the words out maybe right, and she's just, she's just her mouth is moving, but it's all just coming out. It's being released. And here it is. Her prayer is one of the most beautiful in Scripture. 
because her prayer, though on the surface may seem like it's about her, would you please give me a child, right? That's not what's going on here in the story. She's saying, would you please give me so I can give to you? It's the reciprocal nature of the love of God. Would you give, I want to participate in your care. You, you give to me, I give right back to you. Oh, in gratitude, I give it right back to you. And this lets us know that if you want to experience the favor of God, when your circumstances look unfavorable, you've got to pray with the proper priority. You've got to pray with the proper priority. Her prayer is completely unselfish. It is for the glory of God. Do you understand, in essence, what she's saying? It's a sacrifice for her to say, God, provide me a child so I can give him back to you. Do you know what that meant? That meant I won't be able to raise him. As we'll discover, she weaned him. But I won't, I, I'm totally giving him to you. He's going to serve here with Eli. Well, that didn't get a response because do you understand the condition of what was going on with Eli? And she's saying, I'm going to give, I'm gonna, this guy that's judging me right now, my son's going to be, if I receive, I'm going to give him to Eli to raise my son. He's not doing a good job with his sons if you, if you pay attention to the text. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and how many of you know that as a mother, as a father, as a parent, your children will keep you on your knees? Oh, yes, you will. I saw those tears coming from Ellen today. I know where those were coming from. Or at least I'm beginning to know where those were coming from. All right. I've heard the prayer of some of you mothers here. I heard, I heard your prayer the other night, uh, Mira, praying for our young people and their families. You see, children are a gift from the Lord, but they also keep us independence on the Lord. And there's all sort of things that we can pray for our kids. Oh, that they would have a great education. Oh, that they would, that they would, that they'd get a job and they, they'd be successful in life. But how many of you know, as you mature in the Lord, your prayers start to sound more like this. Oh, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ and that they would glorify his name and build up his kingdom. Amen. And every other thing will be added unto them. Amen. That's where your prayer starts to go. Oh, yeah, that's right. Please provide a job and yes and, and the, yeah. Save my children for the glory of your name. Not for me, for the glory of your name. Because as his name is glorified, people are drawn to him. Hannah doesn't pray for herself. Sometimes as you pray, you may not be able to get the words out just right. You don't know exactly what to say. The Bible says the Holy Spirit takes our prayers up to heaven, mingles them with the righteousness of Christ, and then interprets them. You may not even know what to say, but the Holy Spirit is saying, oh, this is the groaning coming from her heart, his heart. This is what she needs. This is what he needs. And God hears it all. And he says, oh, yes. Oh, oh. It's not even about her. Let's position her right now for the breakthrough. You got to pray with the proper priority. But listen, as she's praying, I love this story. As she's praying, poor lady, the priest, the pastor, stepping on me right now for a second, all right? It's all right. Can only find it in his heart to judge this poor woman. Now, I want you just to, for a minute, because let's not just be hard on, on Eli, let's look at us for a second. And he represents 
God's established people in church and, and, and so forth, right? Don't we? Isn't it easy to look on the surface of what someone looks like and what they're going through and go, oh, here's the assessment. I understand the life story. Here's my judgment. But have we listened to the story? And I am so grateful that he caught himself when she said, whoa, 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 whoa I'm not drunk. You see, during that time, there was a lot of... Uh, Oh, it was just a bad time in the time of the judges, but there were people that actually went to the feast. And you would think, wow, this is the Shiloh, this is the house of the Lord. Why is, why is this going on? But there were actually people that would sometimes get drunk at these feasts. So he's automatically, he's, he's lumping her into that category. And he said, oh, here's some drunk woman here, right? It's not going to look good for the sanctuary. I mean, come on. Oh, if we could just listen. When she began to explain why she was praying and why she was there, maybe swaying, and then he catches himself. And how many of you know that God is so gracious with us? I've been there. When I've judged somebody else, I thought I knew the story, but God was gracious and he got a chance to fix it. He finally did what we need to do. He just listened to the story. He listened. When you see your young people, Listen. When you see something happening with your spouse, listen to their hearts. Maybe not even the words, but their hearts. A lot is being said that's not verbally being said. Listen. I'm still growing in this area. Pray for you, Pastor. Listen. Then he does something else we need to do. He encourages her in the Lord. And he says, may God grant you that which you're asking. He encourages her to trust the promises of God. Oh, and I love how the Bible then she picks up, she gets up. Oh, thank you. May it be done as you have said. And she goes back. <laughs> Ilkan, her husband, and Peniah don't understand what has come over Hannah. All of a sudden, she is encouraged. Her face is bright. She's got this joy, peace, and rest on her face. And she is eating up a storm. All, all double portion gone. Where did all that Achaean sawfish go? Come on, somebody. Right? And I love what the Bible says happens next. Go with me now. As we conclude here in uh, verse 19, the Bible says this. Then they rose early in the morning and worshipped... <laughs> worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew, that he biblically knew, hello, his wife Hannah. In other words, they were physically intimate. He knew his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time, someone say process of time, in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. Jump down real quickly to verse number 27. She goes to Eli after she has weaned him and she's bringing him to Eli and she says this, for this child I prayed and the Lord has granted me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore I also have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives. He shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. Hannah did not wait. If you notice the text, she did not wait until the provision happened before she worshipped and praised the Lord. 
Did you catch it? She got up after she ate that night. She needed to sleep. Sleep off all that food that she just got eating, right? Got up in the morning, worshiped the Lord. Then she acted on that which she trusted the Lord for. Hello. I don't know which hotel they went to. Maybe they went home. But she acted on it. She knew, the, she knew her husband biblically. You understand what I'm saying? And then the Lord provided, but it was through the process of time. And we don't like that P word. The process of time. But I want to, do you think she stopped thanking the Lord? Though she was going through the process of time. It was two years until 1979 when I was born. That my mother waited. It was through the process of time. She had surrendered. But it was through the process of time. Things happen in the process of time. Your faith gets stronger. You go deeper with the Lord when you go through something with the Lord. That's why you got to stay in conversation with him. You see, we've got to praise him for the promised provision. And don't wait until you receive it to start praising him. Give him a prophetic praise. God, I thank you before it comes. Because I just know you're good and I want what you want for my life. She then goes, she gives her son. She needed some time just to wean him, raise him up. She had some time to spend with him, to teach him, to mold him, tell him about the Lord, tell him about Yahweh. And by the way, as I'm reading in Patriarchs and uh, Prophets and Kings, Ellen White lets us know that this is one of the reasons why Samuel didn't follow in the pattern of Eli's two sons. Oh, I should have got everybody on their feet saying amen at that point. She raised these kids to know Jesus. And they, and he was in the environment, but he wasn't of that environment. He was in the world, though he was at the sanctuary. You understand what I'm saying? Because of the two sons, but he didn't follow their pattern because he was there for the Lord. He was set apart as a Nazarite. As you took, read there the Nazarite vow. No razor was to come upon his head. She raised him in the Lord. If you trust the Lord, that he will provide that which he has promised in the word. I was spending some time as we come to a close. Our, our singers may want to uh, come up. But as we were there this week in chapel, I had some time to talk with Mira. How many of you know Mira is a woman who loves Jesus? Amen. And we were talking about prayer and how she goes about inter interceding. And I, I, I was just resonating with so much she said. But there was something that just... It just, it just spoke to me. She said that she'll put a request, right? And, but, but right next to it, no, no, a problem rather. She'll put a problem or a concern that she writes down as the request. But then she'll put a promise that, that speaks to that issue. And then however long the process of time is, she'll put the answer to how the Lord fulfilled his promise. Well, I said, Deidre, we've got a prayer wall at home. But we've, got to, we've got to adjust it. We've got to change it. How many of you are going to leave here today and say, I'm going to trust the Lord? You see, the name Hannah not only means favor, but in the Hebrew, the name Hannah, Hannah, means grace. Her story is important to the storyline of grace. This was an experience that was teaching us that you can trust God for his grace, even when you can't trace what he's doing. His grace is sufficient. You see, you need Hannah in order to have Samuel. And you need Samuel in order to anoint David. And you need David to have the Davidic covenant for the Messiah to come through his line. 
Because when he shows up and he goes to his hometown in Nazareth, you know what he says? He quotes Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then he gets down to this part. He says, I have come to announce the year of the Lord's favor. The year of the Lord's grace. In his life and in his death and burial and resurrection, Jesus has come to reveal Hannah. Grace. How many of you want to rise and stand right now and say, I want to receive that grace that Hannah's name is talking about. I'm going through some things. I don't understand all of it, but I understand that there's something about this God, his love revealed through Jesus Christ. And I say, I want to receive all that he has for me. But more than the stuff, I want to receive my Savior. If I seek him first, he'll provide everything I need, even if it's in the process of time. As you trust in him, you may need to wait. And as we sing this song while I'm waiting, I want you to think about whatever you need from the Lord. Mothers, you may be thinking about what you need from the Lord. And have that conversation with him as we sing this song while I'm waiting. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.